but the game was different, right? The the, the rules was different. The ball. Oh, was the, Euro, different. the Euro the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different than America. <laughs> That's the Especially, first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely. Hi everyone, my name's Melita Manuel Carr. I am 26 years old. I attended the University of Illinois at Chicago and I graduated in 2017. Um, I've played for my national team throughout my whole um, of my youth and I'm currently on the senior team. Um, yeah, that's a, a little nice, summary. Nice, 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 nice. Um, Alia, great to have you here. Great to have you here. I think it's uh, kind of poetic for me. Um, you know, this, you are the last one of the series. Um, and end it on a bang. <laughs> yeah, it's start, yeah, yeah, end it with a bang. Um, the first person who set it off was, was Paige, who was your cousin as well. Um, so I think that's great. And, and both uh, young black female athletes to start and end it. So I'm quite happy with that um, point of view. So really looking forward to today. How and why did you choose uh, UIC? It's funny because I remember talking to my coaches at Barkin Abbey Academy that I attended for sixth form. And I said to them, I don't want to go to a cold state. I want somewhere hot. <laughs> and then <laughs> Chicago kind of hit me up like, hey, like, we're interested in you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to go dead. And was like, you know, that's the Windy City. <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, what does that mean? It's cold. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> okay, fine. I risk it all. <laughs> um, but... The coach, she came to London a few times and she literally convinced my parents and myself that Chicago would be the best place for me. She was down to earth, uh, made it seem like she's the motherly kind of figure um, and my teammates were were pretty good. And she had like this, this goal in her career to beat uh, Green Bay they was like at the top and they literally win every single year. So I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, I can do that. That's fine. Okay. So I go out there for a visit and I don't know if the players just were tired or they was just like, oh, it's, it's postseason. We're not working out too hard. But I was watching them practice and I'm like, hold on a minute. Like they don't seem that good. So I was thinking I can come in my first year and just kill it straight away. Um, also fell in love with the city, it was so beautiful. Um, and and my main reason was because Luar Deng was also in Chicago as well. Okay, so. okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just perfect. I felt like he's a great role model for me and someone who could potentially look out for me while I was in Chicago. So I mm. just thought it was a perfect opportunity. Nice, yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense. I like it. What type of scholarship did you get, if any, and what uh, what factor did your grades play in you getting a scholarship? So I had a full scholarship to the university. Um, I had to sit my SATs. Well, first my GCSEs, obviously. Mm. Um, I done pretty well, A's and A to C's, and then I did my SATs. Um, trying to remember what I got. I've, for like 1,300, I, okay, I think. Okay. Um, so it was a pretty okay score. Um, but my my coaches at the time said, just take it again, try to get a better score because 
if let's say you wanted to go to the Ivy League, like it needs to be a little yeah. bit better. So I'd sat it again, got a little bit better. Um, and when I was doing my A-levels, it was kind of tricky because I didn't really know whether I needed great results or not. Um, I felt like, well, I just needed to pass, which was potentially true. I actually don't even know what I got for my A-levels <laughs> because I left to go Chicago before the results came back. So I was like, ah, oh, snap. I don't care. I'm living my dream right now. I don't need to know my A-level results. <laughs> Oh snap! Oh, that's crazy. Um, and just because it's a, a bit of a, 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 I'd say, awkward subject, what, what did your free, you know, your your full tuition include? Your your scholarship. So did that cover your books? Did that cover your insurance? Did that cover um, food? Like what entirely? Because you know you hear about players getting full rides, full scholarships, and then they get hit with, you know fees that the school aren't allowed to cover. So what, what did it cover for you? So it pretty much covered every, everything besides uh, my flights to and um, back home from Chicago. Um, so yeah, every year I would have to pay pretty much nearly a grand to, to travel to school and back. Um, yeah, got my books covered. Um, with In terms of food, my first year was different to the rest of my years. They gave us like a a card with $300 on it to spend anywhere within the campus at any um, store. But then we also had cafeteria swipes and it was unlimited. So I can go into the cafeteria anytime I wanted to. And they had like late nights that snacks as well that finished uh, probably just after 12. So it was, it was okay, I guess, but it was tough because the weekends the food was horrible because everyone would go home because I went to a school in the city. No one, not many people stay on campus. So okay. they usually just go home and stuff. So, so the food was, oh, it was horrible. And I remember- only, I, only, only on the weekends? Yeah, only on the weekends. And <laughs> if they wouldn't serve us dinner either. There was no dinner on the weekends. So uh... I would have to spend food from somewhere else. And obviously $300 for the whole year is kind of, it's impossible. 300 so, for the year, not like semester. Yeah, yeah, no, for the whole year. So I would have to ask my parents for money so that I could get food and stuff on the weekends, uh, which was kind of unfair. I don't think the coaches really understood that. Um, they would just kind of say to us pre-game meals or post-game meals, just take extra food and then put it in your fridge. Uh, and then have that later. So I used to do that to kind of get through as well. Okay. And then years after that, uh, gosh, how much did they give us? So every semester they gave us $1,200 um, to just cover everything. So we only had maybe like 10 swipes for the cafeteria and everything else we just had to pay for through the $1,200, which is still nothing because by the time you get your toiletry stuff and then you doing your grocery shopping, if you want to buy just anything for yourself, it's literally just that 1200 in the semester. Mm. So it, it still wasn't a lot of money. And I used to just sneak into the cafeteria with the freshmen um, just to get some free food so I could spend money <laughs> somewhere else. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was tough, but... <laughs> Oh, we also got, um, 
what was it? I can't remember what it was called, but it's like a money from the conference. And I remember my first year, I got about $500. And then they taxed me and took off like $200 just because I was international. I still don't understand it today. But, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of rules and yeah, I'm yeah, I'm going for it myself. So I'm figuring it out. Uncle Sam, make sure he gets his regardless. <laughs> no matter where you're from, Uncle Sam wants his. So nice. I, yeah, I, Good, I, I, because that was not fair at all. And then it decreased every single year as well. My last year, I saw it was like a hundred dollars. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, you guys are old, isn't it? So you guys got like, you know, the weight up and everything. So you guys just needed to maintain. You didn't really need no extra money. Yeah, that's what they thought. <laughs> Bread and water. <laughs> um, really. um, so what questions did you ask uh, the coaches when you was being recruited? Um, what things were you interested? I know you was like, you know, pretty excited because of the reasons that you gave, but did you ask any questions during your recruitment? What are the, what are the things that you wanted to know? Uh, the recruitment stage was pretty stressful because I was going through my exams and when you have a million coaches just contacting you all the time, I didn't want to talk to them. So I didn't really ask many questions i kind of go went through my coach and my parents i'd be like please can you talk to her can you talk to him <laughs> um you just find out like little things for example do you think i'm gonna play um how good is the team and the conference and stuff like that so yeah i can't remember i don't i don't i didn't ask any questions at oh. all it was just like is the team good yeah i, I want to go there that, <laughs> that was it really <laughs> Um, what questions do you wish you asked now that you've gone through it? What questions do you think you should have asked at the start of your recruitment? Um, how they intend on looking after me, for example, money. How much money would I be able to have? During my visit, they did mention it, but I didn't realise I needed more money to survive because I'm staying with my parents at 16, um, 17. Yeah. So how much money do you need a month to to survive i didn't know the answer to that so now i do now i'm like damn i should have asked that because i had friends in different conferences and they got more money than me so i kind of was a little bit annoyed at that um also i wish i asked the players during my visit look be be real with me what is the coach actually like because now i i realized they gave me hints about little things but I didn't really pick up on it um so they definitely kind of warned me like she's not a mother figure she's pretty tough um but they did say like Chicago is just the best city ever so if you want to come it's up to you not, trust me you're not really losing out on the court oh, uh, what other questions would I ask? <laughs> um I think those are kind of the main point injury as well um just in terms of what happens if i get injured like a serious injury what's the process of um coming back to playing um like is she the sort of person that like you need to man up and overcome the injury straight away or rest a little bit take your time and come back okay. um also yeah my freshman year if I don't play too much, would you redshirt me so that I can get that year back? Or 
is she like, no, I just want you to play four years as well. I think that's a that's a very important thing because I feel like a lot of players are scared to ask for for the coach to redshirt them so they can get an extra year. Um, I'm not sure why coaches don't. Well, some teams, some coaches do always do that to their freshmen. Um, but my coach was like, nah, there's no way. And I suppose, I suppose there's an element of the budget side of things. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, hey, I'm not saying I'm not validating, you know, uh, the, the mismanagement of, of uh, players' eligibility, but it might be a case of, hey, I only want to spend X amount on this player. I don't want to give them, you know, play pay an extra year for their tuition or whatever, which. I guess, you know, you find that out through, you know, asking that question like, hey, coach, would I be able to redshirt if I'm not playing? Would I, you know, and if they're like, well, no, I haven't got the budget for you, then, you know, that might impact uh, where you go. So, yeah, I yeah. think that's a, a, a really important question um, yeah. players need to need to ask. What was the league play like? So um, remind us again what conference you were in. Um, and, and let us know what was the league play like. So was it guard dominant? Was it big dominant? Was it an up-tempo? Was it a physical league? Um, break it down. So I played in the Horizon League, mid-major, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the league was, it, it kind of varied. We had teams that were really fast, all about the guards. And then there were some teams that literally just had a perfect fit so the one was a proper one the two was proper two the five was a legit five so um i think it was consistent in the fact that every team was different uh Mm. which i kind of liked that because every game the preparation was different so it was kind of exciting rather than just playing bigs all the time or you know just guards and having to play fast all the time um, so, yeah, the tempo varied. For example, Cleveland State, they were very, very quick um, and aggressive. And then you had um, Detroit, who were not as physical, not as quick. Um, so, and then you had Green Bay, who were all about their plays. Like, they just had, they mastered everything to the point where <laughs> I remember dribbling up the court and I call it a play. And they're calling it a different name. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they literally just shut down everything to the point where I couldn't even see an opening <laughs> to, to score myself or anyone else. Like nothing was open. I'm like, well, okay, coach, what do we do now? She's like, stick with the play. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Did you manage to beat Green Bay in the end of your four years? No, oh. no, no. I don't I think, it got to a point where it was it was a mental game for us. Our coach was just on us from the beginning. You have to beat Green Bay, you have to beat Green Bay. And then the week um, to, in preparation for the game, she, she would kind of put us down rather than try to build us up for the game. So going into the game, we're all like, oh, we're going to lose by 50 or oh, like, I don't even want to play right now. She's irritating me. And so... I remember what was it, the in my s- sophomore year, the score was literally like two to thirty in the first quarter, and we're like, okay, well, how do we come back from this? And even just our shooting percentage was just career low, so I think it was more of a mental thing because they was definitely beatable, 
And then my final year, um, I remember the halftime school was level and we're like, okay, we can actually do this. And then they just, just got there. Just, so, just they edged yeah. out. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, good though, because they brought the league up and they made it to the, um, to the NCAA tournament and did pretty well there as well. So, you know, it's just a good team. <laughs> hey, good sometimes you just got to shake their hands, man. Hey, great job is a great job. Yeah. So what helped you graduate and play? What did you, what did you study um, at UIC and, um, you know, being a student athlete, um, you know, you have to juggle, especially being a, a starting guard or just being a starter in general. Um, and then being good on the court and then being good in the classroom. How did you manage that? It was pretty hard at first, especially my first year, because I had to go back to doing math, science in English again. And especially English, I struggled with that because, well, I think the teacher just didn't like <laughs> In my essays, she would write, this is not proper English. And I'm like, yes, it is. This is how I, I would be. England, it's, listen, love. Yeah, <laughs> like this is England English, but she wouldn't <laughs> let me off. And she actually failed me as well. Like, no way. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it was it was kind of tough just adjusting to that. Even in maths as well. I remember, I remember my first class. Um, the teacher asked me, "Okay, so if you had a dime and a nickel, and take that away, and blah blah,", blah. and I'm like, uh, "What's a nickel? How much is that?" <laughs> and I remember everyone just looking at me like, "This girl is dumb." And I'm like, "I'm not. I'm not from here. I'm sorry. I don't know you guys' currency yet." <laughs> um, and then just the whole thing of practicing every single day for three hours as well. I wasn't used to that. So my body was very tired. So um, we practiced in the morning at about 7.30 and I would have like an 11 a.m. class um, and then like a couple of classes after that. So I literally went to sleep at about nine o'clock if I could and then woke up at about five because I had to get my ankles taped because I was a freshman. I had to get there first. So yeah, I was just constantly tired. Damn, that's, uh, was it mandatory to get your ankles taped? No, so um, our coach wanted us to wear ankle braces and okay. I said, it's really uncomfortable. I really don't like it. Uh, she's like, okay, fine you can get taped if there's enough space and I had a problem with well the trainer had a problem with me she uh, basically only wanted to put her attention into the starting five and because I wasn't a starter she was like you don't need to be taped and like coach said so there was, we had a disagreement and she was being mean <laughs> and she was like fine get here for six o'clock or get here for like 5 30 one time and I'm like okay so just trying um, to make it difficult. Yeah, but the ankle braces just were killing my feet, so I, I had to get them taped. It's an interesting thing. Um, that at one point, I did look into it um, a lot. I can't remember um, where my theory lied or where my preference lied, but I, I, I know there was a lot of coaches at one point were like, hey, every player has to have ankle tape or uh, ankle brace um, to kind of prevent injury, which I don't think I ended up being a fan of. I thought, I know the reason, but yeah, it's just, it's just a bit, 
you know. Yeah, I think if you don't have an ankle injury, you shouldn't wear the yeah. brace or the tape because I felt like it hindered my ankles. I felt like halfway through the season, I'm just rolling my ankle every week because they were so weak and yeah. dependent of the the tape and the ankle brace. And mm. um, my coach also said, if you did roll your ankle, you'd have to get taped and wear the braces as well. Oh, and I my my shoe, like, I couldn't even fit into the shoe. I'm like, this is silly. Oh, playing sliders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it was not a good look, not cute uh, at all. <laughs> brace and tape, oof, that's... Yeah. Oh, no way. No, I'm cool, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Were there any studying hacks? Were there any, you know, cheats, any, anything that helped you, you know, succeed off the court? You know, we've had um, guys talk about certain websites, people talk about certain support groups. What did you use to kind of help you uh, graduate and get the grades? Yeah. So my first year, I just tried to do everything myself and I realized that that didn't work. Um, <laughs> then years after that, do you know what? Cheating was literally the way forward <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie like, it was just so easy to cheat especially doing your A-levels and GCSEs like you have the invisualizers just walking invigilators I mean walking yeah. up and down so you could you literally could not cheat but our exams we're in a huge hall and someone's right next to you or in front of you so um, I used to just sit behind the smartest person in the class and you always knew who they were too so Yep, just sat hat behind them and just peeped over. And Point guard vision, right? Point guard vision. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> then I remember one class, the teacher's like, yeah, there's two different papers. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, you got A or a B one. And they switched it up. So I was like, shoot, like my vision ain't that good. I can't see that far. <laughs> so then I had to bring out my phone. <laughs> So I used to come in with a hat on and then they used to clock that too. So they're like, like, turn your hat around or take it off. So I used to just have to just literally sit on my phone and try to get the answers that way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My final year was definitely the easiest because we had um, our our academic advisor, like just for basketball. Well, actually, no, we did have one before just for basketball, but he, his detention wasn't really to help us that much um, with our studies. Um, but with her, she would put us in classes where she knew the professor and knew what type of exams they would give us. Um, and she would make like the baseball team or the gymnasts sit that class first because they were the smartest. And then she would give us the answers. So it was perfect. <laughs> and then sometimes as well, if we had games and stuff, she would um, she would have like all the basketball, all, well, all the people who missed the exam sit in the study um, study hall room, and we would sit it together, and it was just like, oh, what's the answer to blah blah blah? What's the answer to blah blah? blah? And literally, it was just like everyone got A's, so it was it was perfect, and that. Even I know cheating and stuff is not good, but it's it's hard to manage your time. And I don't think teachers really understood that. They kind of just looked at athletes as you're lucky and kind of envied us. And it's like, no, I'm actually really struggling here. Can you help me? And yeah, the help just, it just wasn't really there. 
Mm, yeah, that's yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, sorry, I didn't say what I studied. So I studied criminal justice, uh, just because everyone else did it, kind of thing. And I actually enjoyed the classes. I my first choice was psychology, but I literally was falling asleep in class. I couldn't pay attention. So yeah, I changed to to that. Don't ask me what I graduated with. I I, <laughs> I didn't really take notice. No. <laughs> Nah, I think because my goal was I knew I wanted to be a professional athlete. Grades don't matter when you're turning into a professional. So I was just like, let me just pass. I'm not really looking at, okay, after basketball, what do I want to do? Because I knew I would have to go back to school because I didn't want to stay in America. So I'm like, do these grades really matter? Probably not. So that was kind of my thought process. Just, just pass your classes. So what has your thought process changed any what now? Uh, no, not really. Um, I'm happy I stuck with criminal justice because um, I have my own campaign, the Stop the Violence campaign, so it correlates really well. Um, but yeah, I, I just, no one's ever asked me, so how were your grades in uni or even A-levels? The most I get is GCSEs when applying for like small jobs. So it's kind of like, oh, how comes this is the case? Um, but I don't want to go back to school either. That is just a no-no. So I, I hear you. I hear you. I and in life, who you know really now, not really how much you know. So I kind of count on that to to help me in life. Networking, man. Yeah, you got you got a network. It's definitely about who you know. So playing for Barking Abbey, uh, you guys won the chip that year, didn't you? Yeah, um, both my years we won the schools league. Um, it used to be the D1 um, league, but now it's the WBBL. And we came third my first year and then second my last year, which I'm proud of because we were a bunch of teenagers playing against women and doing well. And in my final year, we basically played against the GB team minus some players and still made it a competitive game. So, you know, I still think we should have won that game, but um, <laughs> we had a bad fourth quarter. So yeah, no. it was it was good to you. So, so dealing, so thinking of, you know, um, what you guys went through or what you went through uh, playing in Barking Abbey, like having a lot of minutes and then transitioning to the States where, you know, you're a freshman, you're not really playing, you're not really starting kind of thing. How did you deal with that role change mentally? How did you go from, hey, I'm, you know, a featured player or I'm a focal point of the team to now starting from the beginning almost? It was tough. It was really tough because I was the player who had the mindset that I'm the best no matter where I go. So I was walking into practice and the... <laughs> The players were like double team me and triple team me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not not really used to like six foot three players like literally double teaming me. And they literally picked on me. And it was tough because I felt like they weren't my teammates. They was literally just out to get me. And I remember my the assistant coach said to me, Look, before you came, we told them that you're that guy, like you're gonna be the person to take someone's spot. 
so automatically they didn't like me and yeah that I think it was more heartbreaking that my teammates didn't want me to be better they just wanted me to sit down and not take their spot um and in the first couple of games um, I actually started and um it was more because the senior guard she fell pregnant um and so she was out and she got an abortion I hope she, well no one knows who she is probably <laughs> just putting her business out there <laughs> um so yeah so she she was out and my coach felt like I was the next best um two guard I was playing the two um when I went out there first um so and I did pretty well in those games I averaged like 15 points in the first like three games that I played then as soon as she came back it just went to zero minutes and after a couple of games it really got to me like I would literally just sulk on the bench or sulk on the bus journey home and my assistant said look you should be lucky that you even got minutes in those first couple of games most freshmen don't even get that most freshmen don't even come on at the end of the game and I remember towards the end of the season when my coach would put me in with one minute left <laughs> she said to me Mel are you ready I was like no I'm not don't play I don't want to play and she kind of looked and was like and I just got up and went to the table <laughs> I was like yep okay let me just obey this one because I'm not yeah, about to run <laughs> so um yeah I think it, I was more I felt more disappointed in myself so I was always in the gym literally after classes I'm on, in, on the court asked for extra workouts with my assistant coach and I just thought, let me just try to get better. I can use the facility whenever I want to. So let me work on that. And then I was so weak as well compared to the rest of the team. So I did extra weight sessions and it was my goal to just be like one of the strongest on the team. Um, but I think it was more heartbreaking when my coach um, from Harringay Angels and my mum came out to watch me play and I didn't even get onto the court. I think that broke my heart the most because I wanted to make them proud as well. And I wanted to show England that I can play in America as well and still kill it. So the fact that I didn't do that, it was just like, oh, but um, I guess I made up for it for the rest of the years. So I can't be too mad. Um, so when you said you felt like your teammates were picking on you or, you know, gave you a rough time, don't you think that made you better? Don't you think that, you know, being met with that adversity was positive? Because then you kind of like, you know, you not playing in the States, you don't know what it's really about. And then them kind of giving you that baptism by fire, that kind of helped you, you know, your development? Uh, it's kind of hard to say because when I got there, it was very segregated. You had the white teammates and you had the black teammates and I remember there was a time where I literally had to pick who did I want to be? Did I want to be with the white kids or the black kids? And um, I think the white girls thought, oh, she's from London. Like, yeah, yeah, she's one of us. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, sorry, your parties aren't really for me. <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> went with the black girls. <laughs> so automatically the white girls, besides one actually my when I was my a freshman the senior um and actually the junior as well they were cool with me still but I had two other teammates who 
I felt like they were racist, I have to admit, and they they just didn't like me from then. Um, even started spreading rumors about me and stuff like that. It was it was very silly. Um, but then some of the black girls also still judged me on she's just English kid trying to take my spot. So did it make me stronger? And uh, not really, because I felt like if at the start, yeah, it's cool, but going into my sophomore year and this is still happening it's like oh, okay, this, this, this. it was continuous yeah and it was happening off the court as well i couldn't vibe with them off the court so i felt like on the court we couldn't be proper teammates either i even have oh. a story my junior year um some recruits came over and we took them out had a good time and stuff like that and then um Basically, we took them out and uh, a fight happened and gunshots went off. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the host. Like, I'm their responsibility. But I didn't even want them to come in the first place because I didn't want that responsibility. But um, the seniors were like, no, no, you have to take them. Um, and we told them, look, just don't tell anyone what happened. They even drank alcohol and they were on AIDS. We're like, oh gosh. And our coaches asked like, oh, so how was it? And made a pact like you, you've got to lie so we lied about it <laughs> <laughs> coach called us in again i'm like someone must have said something like outside the team because why do they keep questioning us and i lied again when i was by myself and then a couple of the other um seniors came in and told the truth and it's like you kind of went behind my back right, and did that right so, yeah exactly so yeah, it was pretty tough in respect of, I felt like I had no respect from some of my teammates. So it was, it was tough. That's crazy. Um, especially being from Europe, and this is a, a question that I, I ask everyone. Uh, coming from Europe, we have a stigma of being weak or, you know, we're not real basketball players or whatever. Did you feel that? Did, did that come across? uh at first yeah that's what i thought but speaking later with my teammates they was like no we thought you was gonna come in and just kill everything that's why we picked on you because we felt like maybe this girl is legit so let's put her down straight away um so that she doesn't take our spots so it was, that was nice. yeah yeah exactly it was like oh okay but I mean, you made me tear my hamstring and the trainer didn't like me and she didn't want to treat me. So yeah, it was a good time. No, it wasn't at all. <laughs> um, I think nowadays, I think now it's changed quite a bit. I kind of see players going to America and the Americans accepting them straight away. And the style of basketball in Europe has changed quite a lot as well. So um, I think it's more adaptable now, but when I was going into college, it was literally like, let me try and break your ankles and just look nice while playing. Whereas in England, it's like only dribble with a purpose. So I struggled with adjusting to the American game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, that was hard. <laughs> hey. like, I, I wasn't a shooter at all when I was younger. I turned into a shooter because I thought, how else am I going to adapt? So let me be a shooter first and then figure out the rest later. <laughs> mm. 
when you said dribble with a purpose, there's uh, there's like a million of a million and one coaches came to mind instantly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And use those exact words too. I will never yeah. forget that. With a purpose. Yeah. 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 You uh, and one mixtape. <laughs> Your name's not hot sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> With the knowledge you have now, um, if you was to redo three things, and it doesn't have to be exactly three, but if you was to redo three things, what would they be? Um, first would be to take weights more seriously before I went to America. Um, I had a great strength and conditioning coach who's still my conditioning coach, strength and conditioning coach. Um, and I was worried about becoming too muscly and looking like a guy rather than seeing it as this is going to make me faster, stronger and a better player overall. So... Mm. I think I would definitely change that. Um, to be a bit more confident confident in myself. Um, I didn't really speak too much when I was a freshman. I was just constantly scared. Even to go <laughs> into the cafeteria and ask for something, I didn't want to do that because they was always asking, sorry, what did you say? Where are you from? And ask 10 million and one questions. And it's like, ah, oh, it's so annoying. I'd rather just not speak at all. Are you from Australia? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I went to France. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've been to France before as well. Uh, Do you think to... he was the queen? Like, is that mandatory at twelve o'clock? Where did you get that from? Like, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what else? Um, I think making more connections. Like, I even though Luval was in Chicago for my first two years. I did not use him at all. And I think that's one of my biggest regrets. Um, uh, what else? Not being afraid to transfer. I think after my sophomore year, I had a great sophomore year. I definitely should have transferred to um, just a higher team, I guess, a higher college. Uh, but I just kind of, I was afraid that I would go there and not play or the whole process process of it, I didn't even understand. I didn't know even how to go about it because if my coaches talk in America, so my coach then found out I was trying to leave and then the team didn't accept me and I had to stay, then what would kind of happen to my mm, career? Yeah, so, yeah, so I stayed and I definitely should have moved teams. Yeah. If you, um, obviously it's way too late now, but then if you transfer, you end up sitting out a year if you go D1 to D1. So um, I guess that would have been on you whether or not you wanted to, if you would have been happier sitting out at a new program versus yeah. staying at the program that you was in and playing minutes. Yeah, I think that's beneficial because you can use that time to adjust yourself to the style of the team's play. Um, and just building that relationship with the team as well. I think that's very important. So I, I definitely wouldn't have minded saying that. And plus I sat out my first year being a freshman, so I know what it's like as well. And it's a little bit different being a transfer, mm. but um, I definitely think that would have helped my career. Then you would have had, then you only would have played two years of college basketball. Worth it, it's worth it. Okay. Yeah, okay. because imagine 
I'm stuck at a mid-major, averaging a couple of points, uh, and then moving to a higher level. I'm playing with and against better players. I'm going to improve naturally. Well, I should if I'm doing things properly. So I always say to people, in your final year of college, you should be playing majority of the minutes of the game. If you're not, then you've kind of got to question yourself. What was you doing for the three years? Because you should know the system. You should be connected with the coach mentally and you should be physically at your best or better than the freshmen and sophomores and juniors anyway. So mm. yeah, like if, if you're not playing your senior years, it's, it's on you. Uh, yeah, true, true. So, yeah, real talk. What's the best part of playing college basketball? <laughs> the best part? Uh, I think the freedom, really, of being away from my parents, kind of starting a new life and finding myself. Um and just playing in front of thousands of people. Those were the most enjoyable parts, I think. Yeah. I would say the parties, but my first couple of years I was underage and the parties on campus weren't very good because I was in the city. No one kind of had house parties. Um, But I guess my last year when I was of age and I could go out, yeah, it was pretty good times great times (laughs) okay um and then you know you mentioned playing in front of thousands of people um talk us through how it was playing in front of those crowds you know home and away um did you hate playing on the road was it you know was you intimidated like speak to us about playing in front of so so many um people so our first couple of games of the season we always had a pretty big crowd. And I remember my first game, like, I didn't even know where to go on the table to make a sub. So, <laughs> so the person, someone in the crowd actually, they was like, Mel, you gotta go to the middle. I was like, and then what? And then she's like, crouched down. I was like, oh, <laughs> cause I was the first sub as well. So I literally just did not know. And- Good looking out. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> And then just hearing people shouting your name and you're looking up and you don't know who shouted it because there were so many people. I think it scared me at first, definitely scared me. But towards the end of my career, I kind of saw it as, oh, I've got fans. Like, I don't know who that person is, but they know me. (laughs) So it gassed me (laughs) a lot. Um, (laughs) And it also distracted me sometimes, like if it was a close game to calm myself down. I kind of would just look around just to see who's in the crowd. And I felt like that kind of brought my anxiety down a little bit, um, my arousal level. Um, playing away though, oh, it, it was hard. Like you're at the free throw line and you had like the, I can't remember, what do you call them again? You know, the like jumbo the, trunk. Yes, you've got that, you've got your bubble head. I'm like, how did they even get this? I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> But it was exciting though, because it's things that you see on TV and you live in it. It's like, okay, yeah, this is my dream come true. What's, what's the, 
if you can repeat it, what's the worst thing that you heard on the road? Like someone said to put you off. Um, I remember it was at Valpo and I can't really remember what they were saying though. And it even got to my coach. At halftime, my coach was like, you need to ignore them. Um, and then she ended up sticking her middle finger up at them. Oh, I was like, oh, whoa, I can't remember. I remember I made an air ball and every time I caught the ball, they would shout air ball. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it, that literally put me off. Um, <laughs> but I think it, get, it gets worse when you become a professional. I remember when I played in the Commonwealth Games in the final game, um, I accidentally tripped over one of the Australians and it was their home court advantage as well. And every time I caught the ball, they would boo me. And I think that was probably the biggest crowd that I've played in front of. So it was literally thousands and thousands of people just booing me every time I caught the ball. And to the point I couldn't hear anything, but the boos. So <laughs> it, it literally put me off. Uh, but it's good, I guess, in a sense of your focus needs to be there and it's just part of the game, isn't it? I guess, yeah. That is, that is hilarious. So what was the weather like in uh, Chicago? Ugh, the first year was literally the worst uh, winter they had in years and uh, it was horrible. Like you had to wear leggings under your jeans when you walked to class. There was one point where um, the schools were closed because it was too cold. The windshield was too high. And obviously the coach still made us practice. And I would have to wear sunglasses outside. <laughs> yeah, I had to wear sunglasses outside to just stop the wind from going into my eyes. I remember one time I didn't and my eyelids were burning. It was that cold. Um, yeah, but the summers were amazing. So super hot, um, barely any rain like London. So it was nice because I've got the changes, the actual proper seasons. So okay. Okay. it was okay. Um, what's the must-see destination um, of Chicago? So, you know, um, what in particular did you go and see? And if you was to recommend, you know, talking to someone who was going down there, where would they have to visit? Probably Michigan Avenue. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, downtown, going to see the Beam, um, the Face Monument, um, even the Water Tower as well. I think, yeah, that's the, the perfect place. But I also would advise people to, to see like the bad side as well, just well, stay in the car, obviously. And, just drive through it as well because <laughs> the change is so dramatic like i couldn't believe it like how bad a city could actually be so like when people complain about they're broke or they live in the hood or the ghetto in england i'm like you haven't seen anything like that's nothing compared to what people go through in chicago so, wow yeah. that's that's um and you started saying it, I was like, why would you tell people to do that? Like, yeah, <laughs> what's the point of that? Like, do you, like, why, man? Especially if you got to keep the window out, like, dude, but no, yeah. No, yeah. Um, yeah, it's humbling, actually. Yeah, it's humbling. it sounds like it, you know, and, and yeah. 
makes you thankful for um for what you have so yeah definitely yeah. how did you deal with being away from your family and you know the difference in time in terms of communicating with them how did you manage to to deal with that at first i was very homesick um i asked to go home for christmas and my coach said no obviously as we now discovered my coach wasn't very yeah. nice yeah. <laughs> um and i found it very unfair because everyone else that i knew in america was going home for christmas even some of my teammates would go home so being away from home at that time that kind of affected me um, but my coach said look you can't be a child all your life like do you want to be an elderly woman still living at your parents house like no was like, okay fine um and then with the uh, i think time difference i got there in the end i wasn't the sort of person to sacrifice my sleep for anyone <laughs> so <laughs> it was just like you're sleeping oh okay it's fine <laughs> i'll talk to you another time and my parents were pretty good because they would stay up to watch my games and then i'll call them right after and um talk to them about it and then let them go to sleep so um it, it was okay it was just like the seasonal times where i really wanted to be home is when i was really homesick okay well i mean yeah as as, as coaches as i said um obviously i don't know your coach or anything but you know she's like hey this girl goes home she goes and she's out of shape blah 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 now we definitely ain't beating green bay you know what i mean like so coaches are yeah. you know these co coaches are and 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 one thing um i have to try and remind players that for you it's your career and your scholar your education and then on the other hand it's the coach and their livelihood you know they've right. got mortgages they've got kids they've got you know situations and their their life and their family's life is dependent on hey did Melita have a good sleep? Did she do whatever? Now, is she going to be a, a good enough for the team for us to succeed? Mm. Or is she going to go and do something silly and not be ready to play this game? And now I'm on the hot seat. So it's Yeah, very... I think it's just a, it's a balance, I yes. think. If a player is literally crying out to you saying, I need time off, my legs hurting, I need to see family. I think coaches do need to respect that. But at the same time as well, if the player then breaches whatever they say, then, hey, okay, you're not going to get that opportunity again. But I think for coaches to definitely at least give a, a try to let the um, players do whatever they need to do to make sure that they're good on the court, I think there needs to be that. Like, for example, in the last dance Dennis um, Rodman I was yeah, I knew it was exactly coming the man came back and was killing it so <laughs> that is a perfect example uh, every time I went home in the summer and I came back my mind was fresh I was good to go and even being a professional now going home for a few days like it could be one day just for Christmas and coming back I'm a different player like I'm I'm back, like I'm good. But if I stay there, I'm, I'm, you get bored, it's hard. Especially when you're not from that country as well. Or even the city, it's like you need time off. And they didn't give us that in college. Okay, so you're trying to get Dennis Rodman on, I got you, I feel yeah. you. 
<laughs> coach has got. A, I got. Maybe I'll start a, um, a, a paper or whatever, a, a seminar explaining the Dennis Rodman effect and trying to convert all the coaches to to let the players while out. Yeah, but also the players is only to understand. Like you've got to convince your coach, even down to water breaks. I remember we only had two water breaks throughout the whole three hours, and I'm trying to call players and nothing's coming out because I can't gather <laughs> there was too much like spit in my mouth to actually say anything and we had to create like a whole powerpoint presentation on why it's important to stay hydrated and oh, that's wow. what got us yeah that's what got us more water breaks so wow. yeah it's, it's just trying to convince each other that's funny um <laughs> right where's the best place to get food down in uh, chicago that is a hard one because there's so many places you've got Harold's chicken that okay. to this day is nothing can be that okay. um you had Jim's which is like a hot dog kind of burger joint um and it's like the shack and after it's mainly for like after a night out or like a late night snack that's uh-huh. perfect but late, late night for when you're a senior right when you're of age yeah of course when of you're course. of age or like if you're having trouble sleeping as a freshman sophomore okay you know, okay I yeah feel... some comfort food all right yeah, yeah you can do that <laughs> um what else you got giordano's pizza best pizza ever deep pizza um where else where else Soul food in okay. yeah south side. That yeah. That's so if I gave oh, you if, if, make if a you, taco shop. If if you was in college and I said, Hey Malia, hey, I'm gonna give you twenty-five dollars, go, you've got one choice of a meal, which one would it have been? I think I'll probably have a breakdown because and... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um oh man Ooh, the food must be I, really good yeah i don't know i gained 30 pounds my freshman year because i over ate so yeah i, just I, I had a um uh the big man from uh grand canyon and he said it's called the freshman uh freshman 15 um, but it sounds like it's more like the freshman 50 and he was like, look, yeah, when you come in, especially European and you've got all these fast food places all around, yeah. you just go crazy. And he's like, well, you know. Exactly. And I couldn't gain weight when I was in England, no matter what I did, I could not put on weight. As soon as I went there, it just <laughs> was mad. So the coach was like, you need to lose a little bit of weight. Like we've noticed you, you're gaining a bit too much. Couldn't fit into any of my clothes. Yeah. Too much. Mm, yeah, but yeah I don't, I, sorry, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> I don't know. On weight, then you have the fat ankles, and then you put the wrap on, then the brace on. Yeah, you definitely playing in open toes, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, best place to get kicks. Well, uh, I'm not really a shoe head. Okay, okay, I respect that. Arsenal gave us tens of millions of basketball shoes. And then you had your running trainers. Um, I might buy like a pair from Foot Locker, but now they've got the the House of Hoops in Chicago, like the huge one with the basketball court in it. Okay. So, 
And then I know in Chicago they do like pop-ups, the shops as well. Mm. So I know a lot of my friends would go to those to get the best shoes. Okay, okay. Um, last segment, doing great by the way. I'm like really enjoying this. Um, final reflections. So was your level of independence suitable for college? Um, like what three things should someone know um, or be able to do for themselves before going to college? Yeah, I think my parents brought me up very well. Um, even though they thought I didn't know how to cook, <laughs> I was watching, <laughs> so yeah. I knew how to cook for myself. Um, knew how to like wash my clothes and just basic, simple um, living stuff I knew how to do. Um, the only thing I think I lacked of was confidence to just speak to people. Um, I was, even though I'm an extrovert, I was an introvert when I was in my first year of Chicago because I, I don't know, I felt like I was just shy to to speak to people and make friends, really. I just stuck with the men and women's basketball team. Was that all the way through or just your first year? Uh, it was up until my junior year, really, yeah, when I started adventuring out a little bit more. Um, when I, especially when I met my boyfriend at that time, um, he kind of helped me to do that, to just speak to different people and just get the confidence to say, yeah, I'm not from here. This is how I talk, get used to it kind of thing. And, um, or, oh, is that what you do? So would you be able to help me with this and that? Um, yeah. So okay. okay. I did it a bit more. Um, what was the biggest adjustment to the American culture? What, uh, was there a big difference? Um, I think the difference wasn't that much once I got comfortable with my teammates and my friends that I made. I think they're very similar in, well, females anyway, in their mindset of how English girls think. I think it was very similar, but, um, I just think their ignorance was pretty bad, just in terms of knowing what life is like for other people outside of America. I think that was kind of frustrating, just hearing the silly questions and then they're actually being serious. <laughs> Whereas I'm laughing, they're like, no, seriously, what's the answer? I'm like, oh my God. So um, I think that was probably the most, yeah, the hardest thing for me culturally. Um, and I guess uh, there's a, a lot of the um, African-American community in um, Chicago, Illinois, so it wasn't too far different from... Yeah, I think that frustrated me as well. I went to... I had one class, an African-American class, and the things that they, they taught us, I'm like, is that it? Like, you're literally only speaking about America, like slavery and stuff like that is beyond America. Um, and I, I wasn't the sort of person to put my hand up and be like, well, how come you ain't talking to us about this or that? Mm -hmm. I just kind of left them to it. And I think it, it kind of made me sad that, that when I asked people, where are you from America? Where's your grandma from Mississippi? What about after that? They, they don't know. And they mm -hmm. don't really care to know either, but I guess it would be harder for them to find out their roots, I think, compared to 
English people because at my age we're probably the second generation. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I do find that interesting. It's you know me coming from South London, Brixton. I'm like, you know, when I talk to people and I'm like, oh yeah, so where's your family from? And they're like American. I'm like, it took me a while to compute because normally. It's like, oh yeah, Jamaica or, you know, Trinidad yeah. or like you, okay, cool. Cause you know, where everyone, you know, was first generation, second generation, whatever. And then, you know, coming from over here, it's like, that's, that's all they know. And they don't um, acknowledge or respect some places, um, the the Caribbean or, you know, Africa the same. It's like, nah, that's you black people and mm. it's us black people kind of thing like it's different so yeah but i think it's changing a little bit now because um my senior year or maybe just after i graduated actually i felt like the black people were really coming out like oh my parents are nigerian i'm like oh all this time like now yeah. they're nigerian like as Afrobeats is now starting to get into swings like oh now you're from ghana oh okay <laughs> where was this when i was there like <laughs> <laughs> coming out the woodwork trying to rap yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> oh man right so my favorite question of this show um Right, talking about distractions, um, you know, you leave England, you leave your home country um, at the age of, you know, 17, 18, and you're left to your own devices. So um, access to alcohol, access to drugs, um, to the opposite sex, or, you know, just love interests. Um, what, what was it like dealing with those distractions? <laughs> That's a I know. I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what. Yeah. Oh good Question. <laughs> um. My, well, my first year, if I was literally focused on basketball, so none of that really affected me. Um, in terms of alcohol, well, I drank when I was 16, 17 in London, so I was fine with that. I knew my limit and stuff like that. Whereas the Americans didn't. Mm. Um. I guess in my older days, <laughs> I was kind of the, the bad person, I guess, because the the freshmen would come in and I'd be like, okay, we're having a party. Now's your time to understand this is my limit. This is where I need to stop. So it's okay to get drunk. I will look after you. Even the men's team, I would say this to them as well. like. I'll look, don't worry. And then we'll end up like carrying them to oh. the bed. But I'm afterwards, I'm like, you enjoy yourself though, right? Yeah, okay, good. Just don't drink as much now, next time, and you're good. Um. <laughs> oh, it was like a service. It was like a public service. Yeah, it was like, was I'm looking out people. for you. Uh, so I, when you go out, you know how to look after yourself. To. Yeah. I do it in-house uh, first. You're the practice. real MVP. The point guard throwing the assist. I got... <laughs> yeah, and I think my coaches kind of understood that as well because for my 21st birthday, uh, my birthday's in November, so it literally fell just before the first game of the season. And they knew I went out for my birthday and they they understood, okay, she's going to be all right. Um, but I think it was more of a team thing as well because... There's times when we've all gone out and got hammered and the next day we all still smell of alcohol and 
eyes are like this and our coaches are like are you kidding but it would be one of the best practices of the season so I think our head coach was looking at it as a positive like they're performing well they're team bonding but the system was like but they're drinking alcohol that is not it so yeah it was like a a medium kind of thing uh in terms of drugs yeah everyone smokes weed in school it's it's (laughs) to the point where it's kind of like if you don't who are you like what are you kind of doing with yourself um i always tell people university is where you experiment and find yourself as well and you learn so i wasn't a pothead or anything like that um only tried weed and shisha the shisha as well quite a bit um but i think just the accessibility of it it's just too easy i think it needs to um no actually no let let the kids experiment (laughs) i think it's when it's just being smart with it though so for example like you said jordan said that he got caught by the police it's just making sure those kind of things don't happen so you don't get sent home for i don't know getting too drunk and then raping someone you hear that quite a lot for europeans getting sent home because they're on trial for rapes so um it's just saying level-headed just know you are there for a purpose but still have your fun um but i think for me the hardest part was when i was broke and I knew the drug dealers and stuff because it was literally outside my doorstep. I'm like, should I sell? Like, I can make a little bit of money. So, <laughs> but um, obviously, I was, I'm not trying to sound like some proper like. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> like, I'm a goody goody, but it's it's just making sure that you don't get caught and you're there for a purpose, but still, again, just have fun as well with it. Um, and that, I think that's been the, the common theme um, throughout the whole series, um, that there's a acknowledgement that there is a case of, okay, I'm in this place on my own. There's the kind of fitting in demographic of, hey, I don't want to be the odd one out or ridiculed or whatever, which comes at this age. Um, curiosity is another thing and, um, certainly of the individuals that you know we've had on the show it's just been of hey you know what everything in the moderation everything just having an understanding of what i'm doing and knowing my purpose i'm here um i'm here to you know study and play ball so if whatever i'm doing outside of that affects it then i need to cut it off you know yeah exactly yeah i do say to people if weed is okay you can't really well that all we know of anyway we can't die from it but if you're it's still an addiction and when i see people smoking every single day many times a day i'm like okay you need to stop and i think even alcohol as well it's just knowing okay well just make sure that it's not affecting you too much i've seen so many people just be broke because they're spending their money on weeds and i'm like okay that's not it's not cool um and even being english going to america and the guys kind of be like oh i love your accent like come come talk to me it's a level of 
respect there for myself and um, just still making sure I have fun and whatnot. It's okay to date people and stuff like that. But I found sometimes that guys were literally like, oh no, come chill with me here when usually I would be in the gym. And I think it's important for female athletes to make a bond with the males basketball team as well because I'm not gonna lie I think a couple of guys on the men's teams were the one that kept me focused they'll be like Mel come on we're going to shoot uh work on your floaters on me because I'm taller so okay I think okay. they they really helped me throughout my career okay um and and um I know you mentioned a little bit earlier about your boyfriend I like when did when did you meet him and and all the rest of it? Uh, started dating him in my the beginning of my junior year. I met him through a friend um, that passed away. Actually, he got shot in Chicago. That's why I'm saying like it's humbling. Um, oh wow! So, yeah, so he yeah I met him there. He played basketball at Middle Tennessee, so um, he was pretty good as well. He would also help me in the gym as well. Um, but it was kind of tough because I felt like one of the reasons why I didn't transfer was kind of because of him as well, because I was just comfortable. Um, yeah, he, he, was <laughs> he helped me and didn't help me. He was upset, like he was addicted to weed. And because I didn't, I smoked here and there, but for him it was every single day and it, it was kind of off-putting um and especially when you had the RAs coming knocking at your door like hey like what are you doing we could suspend you for this it was it was kind of like okay can you leave me alone kind of thing but yeah it was my first relationship really as well so it was a learning curve for me so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't really change it Okay. Ended as soon as I went home. <laughs> so I was like, long distance now, sorry, can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you say, well, no, because you said it was it was positive. Um, but do you think you would have been in a different situation if you wasn't in a relationship? Uh, I don't think so, because I would have been out more. I felt like partying. Whereas he's like, oh, can you just stay home? Oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> so, but I don't think it would have changed much. Like, I was still very focused on basketball. I still knew my purpose was to become a professional. And even like when I it was time to leave, he's like, "Come back, come live here." Nah, no. I came here so that I could play college, so I could become a professional. So, um, and I still think right now I would choose basketball over relationship anytime and this is why I'm single because I don't feel like there's a lot of people in the world that understand when you have a purpose and you're actually focused on it nothing can come in between that uh, very strong yeah. words I, I, well, I know but to all the guys listening out there like this <laughs> I'm not saying I want to be single for the rest of my life but <laughs> that is needs to be a balance sometimes I need to go practice and <laughs> I have to go to the weight room I've got a lot of male friends because I play a male dominant sport <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh that's funny <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I love it. <laughs> uh, 
I love it. <laughs> um, last question. This has been fantastic. This is, you know, signing out with a bang. I like it. <laughs> um, uh, what advice would you give to um, the new recruits that are looking to attend uh, college or play basketball in the States? What advice uh, would you give to them? Um, don't let your first year determine your last year. So when I say that, I mean, you may not play for the whole season, but if you still work hard, you buy into the system of your coach, you will definitely play in your last year. Um, I see too many people transferring after their first year. I think give it two years and then transfer. Um, network, network, network. You have to network because later on in life, there's going to be people that you would meet in college and they are the ones to really help you in your life in the future. Um, also, don't be disappointed if things don't work out for you. Um, I know that there's a lot of players that basketball's just not for them and you kind of see them spiraling down like going into depression because they're still trying to make it but there are other options as well don't let basketball be your life like make sure you have time to enjoy yourself and do other things um but like i said just make sure you have a balance as well of that don't do too much of, of one thing because you will turn mad <laughs> um <laughs> that's some great advice that is some really great advice and especially for those who um have a i don't want to sound negative but they have a uh, closer expiry date with basketball or the playing wise anyway um you know understanding that hey it's taking you thus far and you know it's opened up other opportunities for you to do other things so yeah um, i think that's a, a very valid point you know not everyone's gonna play for you know the lakers not everyone's gonna you know uh, get recruited to duke not everyone's gonna yeah um be a starter not everyone's gonna average 20 and 10 so um yeah. just just understand it and that's you know the whole purpose of the show um is just understanding the different journeys, the different levels. Um, you know, there's things that everyone comes into um, contact with in terms of situations and scenarios and just about what's best for you and how best to deal with it um, yeah. in your situation. So yeah, definitely, um, definitely a, a positive thing. And, and yeah, hopefully they get that out of, um, especially this first season. Yeah, also one more thing as well to the females as well. I know the quality and stuff like that is not there. And my advice can be is for that is just, just don't even watch that. Literally, you have to just control the controllable. So um, like for us, for example, after every game, um, home game, we'll get $10 for food and the guys will get 15 or $20. And we're like, it's not fair, but you can't control that so there was too many times where even now i kind of find myself saying how comes the the bbl get this and the wbbl don't get that how come they get paid so much more than us and at the end of the day it's just something that you kind of just need to 
to let go. Um, oh, sorry, one more thing as well. Um, what was yours? <laughs> uh, your senior year, if you want to become a professional, you need to make sure you find the correct agent. Um, I felt like my senior year, my coaches didn't help me with that. I didn't really know the process too much of how to become a professional. But luckily I had older friends that went through it already. So they kind of um, helped me out. Um, so yeah, it's just making sure you find the correct agent for you. There's too many players that go with agencies because they're a big agency and they've got loads of like WNBA players on it. And you could be mediocre. So that's not the correct fit for you. So um, just making sure you find out your research if you wanna, if that's what you wanna do. That is, yeah, I didn't even um, think of that in terms of um, moving forward. How do you, as we just said, not everyone's going to play in the NBA, WNBA. So how do you get those pro contracts? How do you? Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll have that as, you know, another season and have you back on and talk about that process. Because I think um, there are, in fact, there's a couple of people that have mentioned about the going pro route and I think that'd be good yeah. to find out the transition of how easy or difficult or you know what's involved in becoming a professional just in Europe in general yeah because we don't really have that as players um, the support to become a professional it's usually the support's there to get into college um, but yeah going pro unless your coach is really invested in you it's it's tough and I've seen amazing players get terrible offers and then after their first year quitting and I'm like why and they're like well it just I couldn't get anywhere so mm. it's, it's sad to see stuff like that so yeah I think some education there would would help definitely and I know a couple of agents as well that I think would be good to talk so thanks for that that's definitely yeah. um I'm gonna put that on my lit in fact let me make a the, note of that the now. agents as well I am um, Free. <laughs> so I'm looking for a team currently. <laughs> Aren't you? Um, I thought you was playing with the Lions. No, not the Lions. Um... Yeah, the Lions. I was last year, and then I tore my ACL in the third game, and I was only there because I didn't like any of the offers that I had overseas. So I just thought, let me play here, get some good film, send it off, so I could leave by Christmas. But then, yeah, so. That happened in 2019 and the whole COVID pushed back my surgery. And so it's just been long winded. I might go back to them, but we'll see what happens anyway. See what, see what with your cousin. Yeah, which is so weird as well that I found out she's my cousin. As soon as she comes to the Lions, it was, yeah, it was random, very random. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she um so she's like, oh, I talked to my cousin. I was like, who's your cousin? Like, Malia. I was like, oh, really? Like, yeah, we just found out. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long distance family. Yeah, in America as well. So. You guys are just picking up, but no, it's been great to have you, uh, Malia. It's been absolutely entertaining, um, informative, um, and I'm pretty sure this will help somebody along the way um, in their journey. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, thank you for, for taking time out and to let You're us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And if anyone has any questions, especially the younger generation, any advice, like you can always hit me up. I'm very open and 
Yeah, Go and drop one. drop your tag, even though we'll tag you in yeah, the video, maybe. but you know, drop drop your tag. <laughs> so uh, Insta is probably the best way to get me. So it's Melita94. Um you can tweet me if you want. Um Melita one 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 nine nine four. Don't really use Snap. That's the, not my the, the disgust not my generation. Like you, can, you can you can tweet me. The disgust of the twit. Tweet. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Melita. Thank you for tuning into the Eurostep in and I hope you enjoy your career at college. The game was different, right? The, the, the rules was different. The ball oh, was the Euro, different. The Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different than America. <laughs> That's the it's first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely.